0: Romans 15 thirteen Romans 1513 Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit for um, For a world that we live in, this is an incredible verse in so many ways. It's also an incredible verse for us as believers, specifically. But we live in a world, when you look at what Paul has said here, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you'd abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Writing to the Romans... Ancient Rome was not a great place. You had the pseudo-peace of Pax Romana, pseudo-peace. Not so great if you were Jewish or Christian, but the debauchery, the violence, the uh, just complete immorality of the Roman, the paganism, the false gods, the unbelievable proliferating debt of the Roman government all the things, immoral, amusement, everything that Rome was in its pseudo-peace of 200 years of Pax Romana. But Paul writes to the little faithful flock there in Rome, but you, he said, you can be filled with joy and peace, abounding and full of power. What a statement. We live in a world that is careening towards disaster. I know a lot of people don't think about that. A lot of people do. You kind of got basically two schools of thought when it comes to the unsaved world. Those that stick their head in the sand and those that are worried out of their minds. True? There's other, I'm sure that on a gradient there's other, but generally speaking that's kind of the two camps. Drown it out or worry like crazy. We live in a world that's creaning towards disaster. Iran really is near a nuclear weapon, for real. And the way that we're working as world leaders, they will have it soon. Some people, I believe, want them to have it. And they will have it. And like Hitler in the 30s, they'll use it. When he got the weapons he wanted, it wasn't just to look at them. It was to use them. Now, we know the Bible tells us all these things are taking place. What's happening in Syria? How many of you want to live in Syria right now? You can thank the Lord you don't. I have no idea why I wasn't born in these places. Egypt, the Ukraine. Have you seen the pictures of what's going on in Ukraine? Their their prime minister ascended through a democratic process, but he's as dictator as they come. He's used backwards channel to manipulate the whole process. His family's getting... Wealthy, people are outraged, people are being imprisoned. He's putting his political adversaries in prison. That's just the Ukraine. North Korea, well, they're ruled by a dictator. 70,000 people plus in concentration camps. Concentration camps right now. This isn't a thing of uh, back in, uh, back in uh, Germany. This is today. Many. China suppressing, persecuting, imprisoning, torturing the underground church that are there. There's a continuous stream of natural disasters all over the world. We're coming up on the spring. You will see. I hate to say it. I don't enjoy it. I pray like you do that God would spare, but there will be massive tornadoes again. There will be mudslides. There'll be fires in California and Colorado and all the other things. They're coming. And some people will lose their homes and all those things that will take place. It hasn't stopped, has it? These things will continue to happen. There's a looming financial crisis. I know Wall Street's riding really high right now. But it's on fumes, isn't it? Because we've got 17 plus trillion in debt. Go look at the debt clock. It'll actually make you dizzy. Watch the numbers, you know. Well, that doesn't matter. Yes, it does. China and Russia hold a lot of our debt. Matters of more than most people think. Now, how are people responding to all these things? Remember, there's two schools of th- Those that stick their head in the sand and those that worry like crazy. I'm talking about the unsaved world. Although, some believers act the same way of both those two things. In the last 45 years, I'm 45 years old next weekend. In the last 45 years, not, this statistic had nothing to do with my birthday, just coincidentally the last 45 years, suicide rates have increased worldwide by 60%. In the last 45 years. Anyone that tries to tell you things are the same they've always been, they're not. They're not. We're accelerating. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness now in the United States. Anxiety disorders, number one mental disorder. Affecting nearly 40 million adults in the U.S., in the United States, say 77% of people regularly experience physical symptoms caused by stress, 77%. 73% say they regularly experience uh, psych- uh, psychological symptoms caused by stress. 76% cite money and work as the leading cause of their stress. 51% say they are fatigued due to stress. 50% say they have feelings of irritability and anger due to stress. 66% of teens are afraid of the future and even afraid of what happens after they graduate. 51% are afraid to even talk to their parents about personal problems. It's the teen. These are our future leaders, by the way, very soon. 40% of children now grow up without a father. 40% of American kids now grow up without This is the leading indicator of where we'll be in the future. Almost the same number, 39%, have a TV in their bedroom. Interesting, huh? For the first time in American society, married couples are now the minority of all couples. Married couples are now the minority of all couples. If you don't think that's disastrous, study any civilization in history. For the, um, the unemployment rate for 16- to 19-year-olds who actually want to work now stands at 24.2%. I could get a job easy when I was 16. Today's teenagers can't. Not near as easily. 2,272. That's the number of text messages sent and received by the average teenager every month. That's almost 80 text messages a day. Their minds are all over the place. Forty-seven percent of U.S. teens, nearly half, say their life, their social life would end if they didn't have a or worsened if they didn't have a cell phone. That's, what, that's big in their mind. Who's teaching them what really matters? We have more information, more opportunity, more education, more technology, and yet things are coming apart at the seam. You can make a meal faster, and no one has time to make one. Right? Supposedly have more time because we gain more time with our smartphones. I worked for Microsoft and a technology company, it's a Canadian company before that, for 15 years, and all we've done is give people less time. True, right? That's the reality. Now, the world and the people in the world, they don't have peace because they don't have Christ. Period. The world leaders will tell you they have everything under control, won't they? Have you seen a world leader tell you they did every No, they tell every one of them say we've got it all under control. We've got our thinkers, we've got our planners. We've got our military strategists. We've got our econo- we got it all under control. They don't. The media will do their best to regurgitate such propaganda. The business world will tell you to just make more money and you'll be happy. Right? That's the business world... That's what Forbes will tell you. That's what Fortune will tell you. That's what Inc. will tell you. Right? Just make more money and you'll be happy. People have been trying that for the last 45 years. Suicide rates. The world of entertainment and sports and leisure will say you just need to spend more time escaping reality and you'll finally relax and enjoy life. Right? We have more opportunity to do that than ever. But these things aren't working, are they? What did Paul know that all these other systems don't know? Let me read it again. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians five three says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. There's a false peace and there's a real peace. We've not been called to the false peace. What we've been called to and promised is given through Christ. Amen? Jesus said it this way, John 14, 27. Listen to the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus knew the climate. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Men's heart will fail them. But as the whole time they're failing them, they'll be trying to have fun at the same time. It's a juggling act, isn't it? If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word, Walking in Peace. Walking in Peace. Is there anyone here that doesn't want peace? You don't have to do anything if you don't want it. Just live and you won't have it, right? I don't know anyone. The world's trying to find it. I don't know how many peace flags and peace signs and peace parades and peace agreements and peace treatment, but then individually is what I'm talking about here today. More individually, people want to have peace. Paul knew that the Roman church needed peace. He knew their desire to have peace in the midst of such a difficult place to live imagine living in ancient rome Colosseum down the street all the other things that are going on to actually abound with it we know the world doesn't have peace but we should but do we do we as believers are we walking in peace are you experiencing true peace you ever put your sunglasses on the top of your head and you're running around the house trying to find them? <laughs> Has that only happened to me? I mean, you're looking everywhere. You're turning up couches. You're opening refrigerator doors. Did I throw them in there? You're turning all over the house, and they were on your head the whole time. They're not there, right? Good. <laughs> We've all had that experience. Jesus that already gave you the peace. Why are you looking all over the house for it? Why are you digging up the yard and the couch and the car and everything? there are on your head. I said I gave it to you in John chapter 14, verse 27. It's right there. Will you access it or not? The God, the God I know doesn't lie. He doesn't make false promises. He doesn't say something he's not going to keep. If you're taking notes, we'll look at three things briefly. Abiding, believing, and conquering. Abiding, believing, conquering. I I mentioned that this, this study has been born for me in the last eight, maybe longer months, but somewhere in that range. As I spent time hardly being able to sit down and standing up, I kept praying, Lord, how do I have joy and peace even if I'm in physical pain? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Look out there. I know some of you struggle with a lot of physical pain, and it's not easy. And yet the Lord not only promises to give us joy and peace, but also commands us to walk in it, which is a really hard thing sometimes, isn't it? You know, imagine our persecuted brothers and sisters. I, you know, only the incredible grace of God, and some of them are more joyful than many Americans who you know, have so much as far as material blessings. But I was, as I was studying the Word, the Lord would just keep, the, the, the themes that kept coming out in my personal study, three things on a regular basis. Number one, peace, which we're talking about today. Number two, belief. What does it mean to really believe something? to really believe something. Three, power. The apostles had it. Moses had it, right? We know Jesus had it. He was full of power. The early church had it. But do we have it? I would say in most cases, no. Not power. But also, in the church, a real lack of peace. And if there was genuine peace, you wouldn't have as much infighting with brothers and sisters. You wouldn't have as much church hopping. You wouldn't have as much gossip. You wouldn't have as much stressed out people. Right? All of these things. And there would be more of the work of reaching the fields that are wanting to harvest and less of just satisfying our own selves. I mean, they could go on and on. Peace, belief, and power. But what is the church believing in today? What are we believing in today? Do, is our belief as strong as it once was? We'll look at these things in brief uh, this morning. Do we have peace? You know, Jesus, his birth, we just went through this in Luke, um, couple, first couple of chapters. When Jesus' birth was announced, it was announced as what? Peace on earth. If there's one thing God knew the earth didn't have, it was peace. The angels said, we know it, we observe it a lot. You guys do not have peace. But we got good news for you. The prince of peace has arrived. He has an unlimited reservoir of peace. And he's guaranteed us as his children his peace. He not only desires us to walk in peace, do you believe that? How many believe that Jesus actually wants you to really experience peace? Maybe for the first time, I'm not even talking, if you you might be saved, praise the Lord, your name's written in the land book of life, but you're not walking in peace. By the way, I've been there. I, one of the reasons why the Lord uh, probably slowed me down, I'm too amped up to begin with. All the time. It's been that way since I was a kid. My blood pressure will skyrocket watching a football game. I'll do the dumbest things. Because I'm way too amped up a lot of times, and God has had to teach me, and I'm still learning this lesson, by the way. I'm preaching to myself here, too. It is time, the Lord says, to walk in the stillness of the Lord. Go reread the 23rd Psalm. David was a mighty man, but not running around with his head cut off, right? He was calm under reserve, walking in peace the Lord desires us to not only have that peace, genuinely possess it, but to share it with other people, it, to bring it wherever we go with our countenance, to bring it with our attitudes, to bring it with our speech, uh, and then, of course, most importantly, to be sharing the gospel of peace because without that, everything else is temporary anyway because we now are to represent Jesus 1 John 4, 17 says, because as he is, so are we in the world. You realize Jesus says, I want you to represent me. Do you think Jesus was ever stressed out, maxed out, agitated, irritated? Now I know, none of us are Christ. He's the the ultimate high bar, (laughs) right? (laughs) Nevertheless, he wants us to walk as he walked. Now as I've been studying, as I mentioned, uh, and just meditating on the past eight, nine months or whatever, uh, on, Lord, what is it, in every study I'm circling the word peace in my own Bible, circling belief, circling uh, power, just kind of absorbing, Lord, what is it you're trying to say? And then I'm in the middle of studying the book of Romans for a Wednesday night, and I come upon Romans 15, 13, and it blew off the page like it was a rocket. I was like, wow. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the... Peace, power, and believing all in the same verse. I've read that verse before, but it went like this. Oh, a nice little salutation or something. No, no, no. I, what I read it after meditating on those three concepts for about eight months, it hit me like a nuclear bomb. I was like, wow. And if you actually take that the verse before is about Jesus, you actually get the whole Trinity as well. God wants to fill us. I mean, fill. You know what it's like to be filled with something? Filled. And that means there's a void there that only God can fill. You can't acquire peace, you can't buy peace. You can't earn peace. You can only receive peace. True? You can't manufacture it. It's not a tangible, you can't grab it. There's no, uh, I know Costco sells everything, but peace isn't on the shelf. Trust me, it seems like they have everything, don't they? You can't buy that on the shelf. You have to receive it. It has to be filled. It has to be given. What does it mean? To be filled, well, let's look at abiding. Abiding. Now, may the God of hope fill you. The glass has to sit still to be filled. True? And just, you know, moving the cup like this under the spigot, get all, you get some of it, but really to be filled, you've got to place it there, leave it there, And let it be filled. We need to be filled. God wants to fill us. Psalm 46.10, you know this verse. Be still and know that I am God. Who does it say? Who does Paul say is the one that fills? The God of hope. A lot of people are hopeless. They don't meditate on the Lord. They don't spend time in the presence of God. They don't spend time in the presence of Yahweh. They don't spend time in the presence of God so they have hopelessness instead of hope. They're not being filled. We're all guilty of this. There's times where I have stepped away from the spigot and i come running back there very thirsty. Right? How about you? Doesn't take, it shouldn't take you long in the desert to realize... I need to be filled. And the Holy Spirit should be bringing you back. This study and this message is not meant... Here's the thing about discipleship. Everyone here is a... If you're saved, you a disciple of Christ. Here's the thing I've learned about discipleship. Discipleship is a lifelong process that gets better over time as we mature in the Lord and we win new battles. But it's not an overnight thing. You will, you will find yourself, I hate to say this, my myself too, you will be stressed again this month. Everyone believe me? There will be a moment where you will have forgotten that peace is like the sunglasses again. And you're going to be hunting for it, and God's going to remind you, and if he uses that simple illustration, praise the Lord, to say, it's not far from you. Stop whatever you're doing. And be refilled. This is what the Lord wants us to learn. Paul was as mature as they come, and Jesus came to him a couple of times in the night and said, Paul, don't be afraid. He got afraid. It happens, but the pattern of disciples is they are applying truth, not suppressing truth. Do you see the difference? Suppressing it is to say, I know this stuff, but I'm just not going to do it. But the disciple says, I know this stuff, and I'm going to practice righteousness and watch God work. Some of you will get rid of blood pressure medicine. Some of you will actually find new time with your family that you never knew you had. Some of you will realize uh, that smartphone is really an albatross around my neck. Some of you will get rid of Facebook. I have Facebook, but I'm not dominated by it. There's people that are dominant. There's things that I, too, the Lord says, that's a dead weight, get rid of it. It's just different for different people. I'm not railing on anything. I'm just saying the Lord will show you your ingredient for peace is not necessarily the same as everybody else's because your weaknesses are not everybody else's weaknesses. However, we all have them. The Lord will show you what they are if you're willing to listen but you have to abide in him. Jesus said in John fifteen nine, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide. You have to sit there long enough. New believers, they need to start with a small devotion time. Five, ten minutes. But we should grow beyond that. We should be, grow beyond that. Gr- find time. Turn the TV off. Do it, go to bed earlier. All these things. But you got to make an investment in abiding with the Lord. Remember Mary and Martha? Right? One, working like crazy. Right? The other, sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, being refilled. Just even if you're busy doing Christian work, that's not abiding. You have to abide first. You have to rest in the Lord. Psalm 1-2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, staying plugged in the roots into the water of the Lord. A.W. Tozer said this about quietness and abiding. He said, cultivating quietness is a missing discipline today. The quietness needed to nurture inner life hid in Christ. That was in the 20s and 30s, or 40s, somewhere in that range. If you think it was hard for people to nurture quietness in in the early part of the century, imagine if Tozer came back today. And if he walked down the streets of New York City and saw an entire sea of people like this. Walking into poles, walking into cabs, right? He's like, wow, it was not loud enough. Now you've got the quiet loudness to go along with the real loudness? Non-stop, just hearing everything but God, right? This Satan is the master at this, isn't he? He, will not, he says, you have no time. I know you mean well, but you don't have time, so give it up and enjoy yourself. Stick your head in the sand, it'll all get better. And God keeps saying, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Looking for rest and all you remember that song looking for love in all the wrong places? We're looking for rest in all the wrong places. And Jesus says, Come and rest a while with me. That's what he said. Come and rest a while with me. Abide with me. This isn't, I'm not talking about this isn't out on the street soul winning. You can't even do that unless you abide with Christ. It won't have any power. It'll be, just be the work of yourself. What about believing? Believing. This is probably the one that has been on my heart. The most of the three, but all three are incredibly connected, as we see in this Romans 15 13 passage. Believing. <clears throat> we find peace in abiding, but we also find peace in believing. Believing and faith are one and the same. You realize that, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you believe that? Or is that just a verse? I've come to more, I said, Lord, I bel- Even in the last year, even in the last year, I've been saved since 1996, but even in the last year, or 95, 95, I forget it all the time. But even in the last year, the Lord has retaken me back to this word belief, which John uses over and over again in the book of John. I think it's close to 100 times or something, but this word belief, the Lord If I hear a verse, God says, do you believe that? It's like the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Do you really believe that? Do you believe it, or is that just a verse? Because if you believe it, God says, I will do marvels. We're called believers for a reason. You realize that, right? You are called a believer. Everyone else is called an unbeliever. That's it. There's not a third category. I'm in the middle. No, you're either a believer or an unbeliever. There's not a third category. John 17, 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also those who will believe in me. Acts 5, 14 says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Believers were added. 1 Timothy 4, 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Believers and word, and in conduct, and love, and spirit, and faith, and purity. The term believer, or believers, plural, is used four times in the New Testament. You say, well, that's not a lot. Well, a Christian or Christian is used three times. Believer, four. Christian or Christian, three times. There's your seven, by the way. <laughs> but um, the word that's used the most is saved. Saved which is the word that's preached the least from pulpits today. True? Why? Because we don't believe that that's that important anymore. We have lost the belief that people are actually on their way to hell. So therefore, we don't teach saved as much anymore. We teach a lot of other new terms. We don't believe the same thing the apostles did. We don't believe the same thing Jesus did. He said it all the time. John preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. Today, many of the churches will not preach repentance. You need a counselor. You need eight weeks of therapy, right? Jesus healed people in a day. Nineveh, I already mentioned in prayer. How did they repent in a day without therapist? Huh? It's what you believe in. It's what you know to be true. John 14, 26 says this. Jesus speaking. We have no better authority than Jesus Himself. This is Jesus' promise. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance. Why is that so important? Because we stop believing things that we believe all the time. Usually when we just forget them, and then we don't apply them anymore, and it's as if we don't believe them in the first place. Turn with me to John 19 for just a second. I want you to see in this glorious book of John where belief and peace go hand in hand. You might have missed it. John chapter 19, look at verse 35 to start with. John chapter 19, verse 35. John speaking or writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows he is telling the truth. John doesn't care if you think he's lying, you don't, I know, but some people do, so that you may what? What's the last word there? Believe. So that you may believe. John said, I was told by the Holy Spirit to write this down so you all may believe. It's one of the reasons why the Lord led me to do the book of Luke. So We'd start the historical, look at the spiritual meaning, what the text says, and actually apply it. Uh, The book of Luke, remember, the beginning of Luke, Luke 1, 4, that you may know with certainty, O Theopolis, that you would know with certainty these things. You would not have a shred of doubt. No matter what article the New York Times has to say about the Bible, it wouldn't cause you to doubt. I have no doubts, none. Praise the Lord, and this is not of my own flesh. I hope you don't. I have no doubts in the Scriptures at all that they are true and that everything that man writes against them is a lie. True? I don't care if they come up with the most brilliant mathematician who tries to tell me it's impossible, this, that, and the other. Do you know with certainty what you believe in? What you believe in, that you may know these things. Now look at John chapter 20. uh, Keep your mark there. Look at John 20, very next chapter. Should be on most of your same pages. You might have turned over one page. All right, so Jesus raises raises from the dead. He comes to visit the apostles. Remember when he comes to visit them, they're very troubled. They think they've lost their master, and he comes to visit them. Now look what takes place, starting in verse 19, same day as the resurrection, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, they are stressed out. You would be too, probably. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, what? Peace be with you. That's not the only time he says it. It's two more times in the same text. Whenever we see something three times in a short range of Bible text, it's very, very important. It's like a verily, verily, verily. Peace be with you. He says it again in verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Father sent me and he gave me a lot of peace. And I'm sending you, and I'm giving the same peace to you. But not only that, he says, then he breathed on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. That is the power, by the way. Same mention in Romans fifteen thirteen. The power of the Holy Spirit is received when Jesus says, my peace I give to you. He breathes on them. They also receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He says it one more time in verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas being with them, Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Third time, peace to you, peace to you, peace to you. Early church, early church, early church, first day of the resurrection, then a uh, then short time after that, peace be to you. But he's also, we see, believing here too. Look at verse 27. He's speaking to Thomas, but he's speaking to all of us. Look at the end of verse 27. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Why? Unbelief will rob you of the very peace I just gave you. True? I gave you peace. You stop believing. You won't have peace. I promised you peace, but unbelieving will rob you of it. He goes on. Verse 29. Blessed are those who have seen and have not yet seen and yet have believed. And then here's John writes another clincher in verse 31. But these things were written that you may believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Peace, 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 believe, believe, believe. All the same text. How important it is. Jesus is establishing conversations with the early church. I've come to give you peace. But you have to believe. You cannot waver in your belief. And when you waver in your belief, it happens. We all waver in our beliefs sometimes. You go back to it. And he goes, then I'll redrench you with peace. But if you've lost peace, you've guaranteed to have lost some belief as well. One leads to the other. 1 John 2.24 says, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning... Let it abide in you. You have to let it abide in you. What you heard from the beginning, it abides in you, you also will abide in the Father. You have to re-preach truth to yourself on a regular basis. You have to be in the Word. Faith comes by hearing. Here, here. You have to say these verses to yourself. Memorize Scripture Talk to yourself and say, Lord, I believe these things. Even claim, even give God glory for his truth. Just ride down the road and say, God, I love that your word is true. Do you realize that's peace giving? You say, well, that, does that, that can't possibly work. Start doing it on a regular basis. You'll be amazed at the cares of the world that will start to drop off to the wayside. Because God's word is an absolute mountain that will push everything else out of the way the sunglasses are on your head you're looking everywhere and god says start talking to me about how true i am start telling me how much you love to believe my word and i will pour out peace and an abundance that will overflow in your life we all need to do this we as a church need to do this if we do not do this we will not see victory there's not a shortcut. It will take time. It will take skinning your knees to realize I was once again running around with my sunglasses on my head. And you'll, God will keep bringing you back. And those gaps will get shorter. Amen? The gaps will get shorter. The times of being stressed and overloaded will become less. You'll, real, you'll stop and catch yourself and say, Why don't I go back to something God has said and stand on that for a minute and stand on the threat I just got. My boss says, you know, we might phase everybody out in six months. You might hear that. Satan will say, run. Cut off your fingers. Run around. Get stressed out. Head back to the bar again. Drown it away, right? And God will say, no, 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 no. Peace I've given you. Peace, come back, come back. I said I would never leave you or forsake you. I'm not sure I can believe that one. You meant it for Paul and you meant it for Peter, but you didn't mean it for me. God said, yeah, I meant it for you too. I meant it for all of my children, those that would believe in me. You've got to continue to invest in believing. Our beliefs should, become, should be becoming greater, not weaker. Abraham Lincoln said, I do not think much of a man who is not wiser today than he was yesterday. In like manner, we should be becoming more believing, not less believing. Not less believing, more believing. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, you must continue in the things you have learned. Continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation and also for sanctification, by the way which is in Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, not just instructing everybody else, instructing yourself. Amen? I don't preach to you near as much as I preach to me. I only see you on Sundays and Wednesdays. I preach to me a lot because me forgets things. Right? You have to preach to yourself and re-believe and be refreshed and believe and say, Lord, I need your peace. And God says, all right, start calling out my promises. Just start naming them. I'm in the room. I'm in your heart. And they come. And I say, well, and it's settling. Say, Lord, all right, now I can move forward. I wrote a few things down wondering if you still believe these. Or, or if your belief in them is not as strong as it used to be. Be really honest with yourself. God knows the truth. It's okay if you say, Lord, I don't believe these like I used to. I don't even think about these like I used to. They don't mean that much to me anymore. My belief is low on these. Do you believe the fields are white under harvest? I maintain that many do not believe that. If we believed it, we would live differently. Right, Aaron? Do we really believe the fields are white unto harvest? Or we say they're really not. Nobody cares. Nobody wants this stuff. I, of course, wanted salvation, but nobody else would. I'm sure glad I got saved. I know nobody else wants this. No. Jesus said he's the one that said they're white unto harvest. Amen? If he says it, there's no more debate. The fields are white unto harvest end of story how about this one do you believe this god is not the author of confusion if you're confused if the church is confused god is not confused amen the confusion is not coming from god it's coming from us it's coming from satan you believe this one seek ye first the kingdom of god if are you or are you seeking first the kingdom of man your career your entertainment, your pleasure, your fun. Again, not all those things are wrong, but they can't be first. True? They can't be first. Um, how about this one? Jude wrote, do you believe in this one? Building yourself up in your most holy faith. Or is that not important? Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How about this one? All things work together for good to them that are called according to His purpose. Or do we immediately complain about everything that comes our way, assuming that it was all a big accident? Did you know that God knew everything that was going to happen to you this past week? And He could have prevented every one of them? Now, I'm not talking about the the dumb things we do, right? Right? You can't blame God if you're tired because you stayed up till three in the morning and had to work at seven. That's not something that God, That's something we did to ourselves. But He does allow other things that absolutely come our way that He could have prevented. And He says, "Now, how you respond to it will grow you. How you respond to it. Say, Lord, You've allowed this to happen. So and so said something about me. It's not true, and." How can I love them anyway? Right? All things work together for good. How about this one? Whatever things are lovely and of good report, think on these things. Many Christians watch garbage and they wonder why they have no peace. There's a clear mandate in Scripture. Things that are lovely and of good report. I'm not saying you can't read the news. I wouldn't know the world is coming apart if I don't read the news, but those are reports of me being wise to understand the scriptures. I'm not going to watch Hollywood's garbage. That's a different story altogether. And I won't even watch every single news thing because it can inundate you to the point that you can't even think. You can become paralyzed with too much information. You have to be careful with that too. How many think that uh, gossip is off limits according to 1 Timothy 5.13? It's off limits, but it's rife in the body of Christ, and it's sad. How many of you think that he that wins souls is wise? You really believe that? You really believe it? Well, not really. (laughs) I don't invest much in that one. We have to. How many believe this one Paul wrote? If we have not love, everything else profits us nothing. How about that one? I can preach, I can teach. If I don't really love people, it's a waste. Everything I ever have will be wood, hay, and stubble. Everything you ever have will be wood, hay, and stubble. Love must be the deep motivator of what we do. Love for the Lord and love for others. And by the way, you get peace when that's your motive. If your motive is for a pat on the back, you'll never get peace. Isn't that true? If your motive is for people to remember how great a job I did, you won't have peace. But if your motive is Jesus, I'm doing this for you, you'll have peace. And I love the other people, you'll have peace. How many believe this one? Jesus is coming quickly. Ooh, he said he was, but he's still not here, so I bet. Don't doubt it. Amen? You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. I want to, one last thing, just from a practical standpoint, and I'm just going to close on very quickly on conquering. Uh, just a couple of verses. Um, I wanted the emphasis on this to be believed. But turn with me. Just, just, I want you guys to see something practical that I was looking at yesterday in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. This is so, Solomon wrote of these things so long ago. And our, and our nation and the body of Christ so struggles with these things. I, I, I read all those statistics at the beginning. Proverbs chapter 12, look at 12, verse 1. By the way, 11:30 is, He who wins souls is wise. So if your Bibles, you can see just two verses up. Uh, Proverbs 11:30, He who wins souls is wise. But Proverbs 12:1, whoever, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I love when God corrects me. Get in the habit of saying this to God. God, I really needed that. Get in the habit of saying to the Lord, I really needed that. In your own study, when we teach from the book of Luke or uh, where we're headed, I'll tell you where we're headed on, on Wednesday nights. I'll break, we're going to the book of Ezekiel. And when we go these places, when the Lord speaks, say, God, I really needed that. He loves a humble heart. He will not cast you aside when you approach him with that demeanor. God, I really needed that. Help me to apply that. Forgive me for not applying that. This is not, God is not beating anyone here today. He's calling you into peace. The world is beating you and not giving you peace and lying and taking your money at the same time. Satan gets you coming and going. True? Whereas God says, why do you do business with him? You're trying to... I, I, I offer you bread with no money. He says, buy the bread. You neither get the bread nor anything else, and you go back and buy again. Dumbest thing you can do. Pro- Solomon, he's thinking, like, what word do I use? What word do I use? How do I... Stupid. <laughs> why is this man in the world? He goes, I what is the kind of counsel I would give to people like that? Stupid. This is what Solomon came up with. You don't take instruction, stupid. He moved on to the next verse. Nothing more to write about it. If you don't like correction, stupid. If you like correction, you love knowledge of the Lord. And God says, I'll give peace. Look at at verse 25. This is one that's amazing for the day and age we live in. Verse 25. Anxiety in the heart causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Where do you get a good word if no one's around to give you a good word? Right here. Jesus is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. It doesn't matter if someone else doesn't give you a good word. Jesus says, come to me, I'll give you a good word. I'll help you snap out of anxiety, and I'll even deliver you from depression. However, if you say, I don't believe that'll work, I'm going to watch another program and see if this goes away. Or I'm going to have two beers and see if that helps. And Go back and read Proverbs 12.1, then read Proverbs 12.25, and call me in the morning, is what Solomon would say, right? Go back to that, and you'll find that what you believe in, if you say, Lord, I'm going to reinvest in believing your truth, God says, I'll I'll give you peace. Closing remarks here about conquering. This is the power. Romans 15, 13. To say something about that. I know we're low on time, but... The Lord tells us He wants to give us peace. He wants to fill us with peace. And not only peace, even joy there. But it has to be in believing. When you stop believing... The spigot is turned off for peace. Go back to believing, the spigot is turned back on, and the Prince of Peace pours it back out again. But not only that, he says you'll abound by hope, bound in hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit never runs out of power. Dominion power could run out of power. Right? The world could run out of power. Earthquakes could could destroy the grid. The Holy Spirit never runs out of power, Dunamos power. And the Holy Spirit will give us the power that we need to go forward. But it's not like, like I said, it's not like Tim amped up power. That's not, we all have our own personality makeup. That's not power. I know a guy, he's a really driven guy. That's not power. Power is from the Holy Spirit that we're talking about here. That a person on their deathbed can be praying more power than someone who has the gift of gab. Right? That power is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus giving to Paul this information in Romans 8.37, Paul says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us conquers. Look at, look at Romans 16.20. We're going to get to this this Wednesday again, which is not the emphasis of our study on Wednesday, but we're going to hit it. But look at, look at Romans 16.20. What a verse. And by the way, you'll see peace again. And you'll hear see it in an odd way. Look at what Paul wrote to those blessed believers in Rome. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What a statement. Paul says, don't sweat this. You actually can walk right over top of the enemy's barricades. Isn't that great? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you can walk through? The enemy has barricades for our church, has barricades for your family, has barricades for you individually. He has lots of time and lots of demonic forces to work on this because his days are short. He has a lot of barricades. And Paul says, don't worry about any of them. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You will crush Satan underfoot. And the God of peace, notice that he starts it with the God of peace. You'll actually be able to do this not by acting frenetic. You'll actually peacefully walk right over top of his traps. Isn't that great? But it's the God of peace who crushes Satan. Notice that we don't crush Satan. Don't be getting into this false doctrine of you start talking to Satan. I rebuke you and all this other stuff like that. He says the God of peace will crush him. You just do the walking in peace. Amen? He says you just walk in peace. God will take care of crushing him and moving his traps out of the way. And you can walk forward. David wrote in Psalm 55, 18, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. But he says, the Lord has redeemed my soul in peace. Even in the battle, we can be conquering. We can know that the power of the Holy Spirit is with us, but the Holy Spirit will not be giving us that power if we're in rebellion. If we're in unbelief. Jesus said, don't be unbelieving, right? We will not receive the power of the Holy Spirit if we don't believe. Those of us that will go to Bon Air tonight, we need to believe that God will open eyes. We have to believe that. And keep believing it more and more as we walk day by day. Amen. The last thing I'll say about this coming year. I this I did I did everything totally different this year. I didn't put a bunch of slides together. God gave me that one verse to preach this whole message and teaching off, Romans 15, 13. This coming year, as a body of believers, we'll focus, and, and for the foreseeable future, I, I, I present it to our elders, it as it's the ministry seven. There's seven things we'll focus on as a church. Prayer, which we're now doing every Sunday and Wednesday before the service, and hopefully you're growing it in your personal life. The Word, so we can believe and believe some more, and the roots go deeper and deeper and deeper. Discipleship, something we need to grow in quite a bit here, I believe. And as far as one to few discipleship, and the deacons will be a help in some of the things that I think the Lord would have us do. But they're not the only ones. I need the help of other men. We need collectively the help of each other discipleship. We, we, when we have people get saved, they need to be discipled. We're called to make disciples, not just converts. Discipleship. Uh, fourth is children's ministry, which technically is just under the umbrella of discipleship. The only reason why I have it as a separate category is because you can't speak to children the same way as you speak to adults. When I was reading all the bad statistics, I left a lot of things out that I can't do with the children here. That makes sense? Children's ministry, we disciple them in a different way. Not a different word, just a, there's a different tone that we take, and there's a different uh, approach that we take. to so children's ministry, very, very important, and the reality is we have some families over the years that are not church-going people that will drop off their kids, but then even the adults won't. You know, those kind of situations, or they'll come with your kids and things like that. So the children's ministry... Very important. Uh, the fifth is evangelism in a number of ways, not just Bon Air. You know, I spent time, and uh, Trevor and Dana spent some time with me and Pastor Peter and Simeon. and we were looking at outreach things for 2014. And we have opportunities to do more effective evangelism. Worship. How many enjoyed the worship? And I think the worship team just continues. Uh, to grow. It's important that we sing unto the Lord. The Bible tells us to do this. Even in the New Testament, it says singing songs and spiritual hymns one to another. It's not the only form of worship. I know that the word worship is inclusive of really everything we've talked about. But from the standpoint of worship through song, that's an important aspect of this ministry. And I want that worship aspect just to take it elsewhere, even in our forms of evangelism and things like that. And then lastly is fellowship. We have to love on each other. We have to do a better job of growing. We will. Uh, We're we're starting the dessert fellowships that are coming up. Those will be taking place the fourth Saturday of every month, and uh, that's just the beginning of some things that we'll look at. But I think God will take these things when we get certain things in order and we collectively abide in Him, we believe more deeply in what He has given us, and we have that conquering power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He'll then organically take these other things and mature them. And that's not where the ministry will end. There'll be other things. There's many other things that would fall under those as subcategories, if you will. Some of you might think, what about this? Well, I could make the argument that all of them fall under a subcategory anyway. But that's what the Lord has us focused on. So I don't have... uh, I want more than anything else for you to go back on a regular basis if you need to to Romans 15, 13. One verse. You're sitting in your car at lunch and you're feeling bummed out. Open your Bible and read Romans 15:13. What Paul wrote to them is still to us. Amen? Let's close in prayer.